0: All right, man. Welcome to the introduction for Crow Triple Seven Radio Podcast. This is episode 88. I have Jason Lingren with me. We are going to address the use of fluoride and the use of mercury. First things first here. Uh, I think I finally scheduled with Greg Carlwood again. Uh, if possible, we will pre-record for that higher side chat show today, possibly tomorrow. I'm waiting for an email back. Anyhow, thanks, Greg. Look forward to it. Um, the first hour, we cover just a ton of stuff about fluoride. People should be aware of this stuff. After all, fluoride is in a lot of places you don't really consider that it might be, and we cover these things. The truth is, as I'm recovering a bit from doing you know, two shows back-to-back and coming through the holiday, uh, but by the time we get into the second hour... For my money, that's really quite a thing. Uh, A lot of people may be aware of the fluoride thing. I doubt many people are aware of the alchemical crossovers and the idea in the use of mercury. After all, anytime we see the word mercury, um, it's a key word, man. Uh, Even in the second hour where we begin to talk about the use of mercury in dental applications and amalgams, we're relating it to the alchemical crossover. Uh, In alchemy, the idea of mercury is prima materia. Uh, people could think about that maybe as the first substance, in other words, in alchemy, the idea is is that everything starts there with mercury um, So much of alchemy is very difficult to uh, to understand because it's encoded and there's it's symbolic and it's there's riddles and there's false leads and there's all these things. So in the beginning of the second hour, I again refer people to the hoaxbuster clip where he takes apart the symbol of Mercury, unveils Marie Curie as Mercury, and gives a good overview so people can start to understand the alchemical crossovers when we're talking with Mercury, which incidentally is also a supposed planet with an orbital period of 88 days. Anyhow, we're going to jump in here with fluoride, but man, do not miss the second hour. It's really, it's packed jam-packed anyhow let's jump in with jason lingren cheers all right, man. welcome to crow triple seven radio podcast this is episode uh where are we 88 and i have jason Lingren with me we're going to talk a bit about two charming aspects of science that have to do with our health uh, big time in this country uh fluoride and mercury anyhow welcome jason
1: Good morning, Crow.
0: How goes it down there, man? I woke up this morning and we were in negative numbers, man. It was like negative four or something when I woke up. Just brutal.
1: Too cold for my tastes, but cold here is not what's cold there
0: yeah it makes you recognize the winter solstice a little more than it would if I was living in California where <laughs> you don't you don't really notice much of anything um but anyhow, uh, what do we have to talk about before we jump in here? I've been having some email attacks. I guess I won't be too specific about it it's It's a bit a bit nonsensical. I have tools that deal with it in about five seconds, so whoever's doing it is putting infinitely more time on their end into the effort of doing it than it is for me just to click a button. Um, Anyhow, do you have anything before we jump in?
1: Well, let's just do a quick chat about your YouTube channel and, and what the status is.
0: Okay, so I have still currently two community guidelines strikes, I think they expire uh, early January or something like that. I don't even know how it works. I don't even pay attention anymore. I've kind of lost all respect for YouTube and what they've done to people. They're still out there killing channels, of course. Um, my hope is that the community will stand up every time they see any channel killed um, and complain like hell. Uh, it's just not It's not right. There's nothing right about any of it, but my point here is is we still post to YouTube. We don't censor anything, um, but there's no security there. You know, you can't invest, you know, people come and say, why don't you set up a new channel? No, I'm not going to do it. Um, if they killed my channel, that would be that. I have no respect for a place like that. And I'm not going to invest my time or effort into a platform that cares so little about the community that they'll wipe you out, you know, at the blink of an eye. That's the way I look at it. Anyhow,
1: well, It is what it is at this point. If the battlefield is open to us, we'll take it. But if they take it out, there's no point in God, how many hours? probably days it would take to get everything back to where it was just to re-upload everything. So it's not really worth it at this point. So I'd rather just fight to keep your channel going since it's got a lot of effectiveness. But if they do what they did last time, screw it.
0: Well, it's nonsensical, Jason. You know, they're they're talking about hate speech and these other things. We don't engage in hate speech. So the arguments that were put forward are nonsensical. And then you're constantly referred to community guidelines after they come punch you in the eye. And the community guidelines mean next to nothing. They can't be specific. Not only that, you know, all the time that my channel was down, uh, it was terminated was the language they used. Then you and I both saw the language where they accused me of violating their zero tolerance for hate speech, which is a crock, to say the least about it. But uh, then, as far as I'm concerned, my channel is gone, and I get a community guideline or a uh, copyright strike email thinking, how can that be? They don't even tell you they've reinstated your channel. You know, they have so little concern. Um, And what's kind of surprising about that is anyone out there who's been running a channel for years knows the number of hours. And for an overarching organization to have so little concern for the very users that make their platform feasible, um, it's it's beyond the pale. So for my part, yeah, well we have it, we'll use it. We will not censor what we do. But uh, if they want to play their games, I'm out. I will not Contend with nonsense at that level. Um, and I will speak against it on every platform I'm ever on. So there's that. Any Anyhow, anything else?
1: Well, I think they jumped the gun on the uh, hate speech accusations. That's where I'm putting my money. No one's really contacted you or I about getting on other shows. And you have 82,000 subscribers on your channel. People are listening to these free part ones, let alone on the website. So, folks, if you have any ideas, uh, Crow hasn't been getting any uh, other... Show contacts. Let's let's hear them, man.
0: I've had a couple small, smaller ones that I've had to push off due to other things that are keeping me busy. Um, But yeah, I mean, it always is the same. Uh, If if you have a moderate audience, contact me and I'll try to get something scheduled in. And uh, in these times, it's a big deal to kind of decentralize and get out there and talk.
1: If anyone knows Lisa Lyon from Coast to Coast AM, that'd be the big one. That's who does the bookings and everything. I think it would be awesome to get Crow on Coast to Coast AM with George Norrie, especially now that Richard Hoagland, for whatever reason, is no longer dealing with that program. They, they gave him the boot for whatever reason. I, I don't actually know why.
0: Well, those you you know way more about these things than I do. For me it's a bit like walking into the lion stand, but that's not a problem. Um if we can get a big audience like that, I'm happy to show up. Um anyhow, let's jump into this, Jason. I don't I don't have a lot to add. Do you have anything else to add before we jump into to fluoride proper here?
1: No, all all good. Let's go. Let's go for it.
0: All right, man. So let's all jump in and ride the floor, man. Uh it's an astonishing thing, you know, in so many of the recent podcasts Um, I've asserted that science has little concern for the natural world. Um, Us people, us humans, uh, have human bodies, which are a part of the natural system. And what we're about to cover here begins to show what science does. Um, It's more concerned with doing sciencey things than the side effects or the flat-out damage that it will do to any given environment. And I think both fluoride and mercury are good examples of this. In in case of fluoride, there are plenty of accounts online where there are organizations pushing back and um, trying to do something about the use of fluoride. How far that will go, hard to know. But I do have a story from firsthand experience that I will tell about going to the dentist here in the state of Rhode Island, which differed greatly from what I experienced in California. Anyhow, without anything further, Jason, it's over to you.
1: In regards to both fluoride and mercury being used in the medical and the dental professions, massive questions of morality and ethics have got to be brought to bear when the cold, hard scientific facts about both of these things are examined. It had been quite understood for decades just how dangerous both of these substances are to the human body, and yet their continued use is nothing more than an example of, I would say, heartless greed at the minimum and outright eugenics at the other end.
0: Well, I I guess I would take the other end, Jason. Uh, I think it's pretty clear that it was known from the outset. Uh, Part of the problem with covering these two things is I tried to get to the root of who, what, where, how, when, why they were initially implemented. And it was not an easy thing to go at to the point where I didn't feel like I got anything worth Talking about here in terms of how did this start? How did this possibly start? Um, but in my my view, malice is a forethought, and I will use this definition that I'm going to read um, as you know you make the statement that the mainstream wasn't so aware which they weren't but let me tell you something science was here here is the scientific definition for the terms of acute toxicity with regard to fluoride in terms of acute toxicity fluoride is more toxic than lead and slightly less toxic than arsenic. This is why fluoride has long been used in rodenticides, in other words, killing rodents, and pesticides to kill pests like rats and insects. It is also why accidents involving over-ingestion of fluoride dental products, including fluoride gels, fluoride supplements, and fluoridated water, can cause serious poisoning incidents, including death. And um, we've stated before on this show that even on a tube of toothpaste that is fluoridated, there are poison controls warning. But then we had a number of jokers show up that claim that that poison warning is for something else altogether in the toothpaste. And I don't think it really matters which way you want to go at this. You've got children in this world brushing their teeth with a product that they're putting in their mouth that has a poison alert right there as if it was a pack of cigarettes right on on the container anyhow jason (laughs) now fluoride is used extensively in the public drinking water
1: supplies primarily in the united states with the unsubstantiated claim that it helps prevent cavities by binding to tooth enamel with approximately two-thirds of the u.s having fluoride added at an average concentration of one part per million water is fluoridated in 29 of the 30 largest cities the exception is Portland, Oregon. For the fourth time since 1956, voters in Portland defeated a plan in 2012 to add fluoride to the public water supply. Water fluoridation is endorsed by the American Medical Association, the American Dental Association, and the CDC, which lists it as one of the top 10 most important public health measures of the 20th century. The CDC says that the level at which it is added to water, one part per million, is safe Effective. My biggest problem with any of that is that you cannot control dosage, let alone the massive spill off that occurs from putting something in a public water supply.
0: Well, there it is, Jason. You said exactly what I was going to say. Fluoride is apparently this magical thing where dosage doesn't matter. Um, Even if you were going to take a simple example of someone who drank maybe a gallon of water a day to someone who only drank a glass of water today, um, the dosage of fluoride is vastly different in those two people. And that sets aside how large they might be, what their body weight may be, all these other things. But here again, we come back to the idea... Of science throwing the natural environment to the wind. Zero concern because, and I'll get to this when we get there, I'll cover what happened in San Diego when they fluoridated the water. Basically, what they're doing is pouring a byproduct of industrialization into the water and they're calling it fluoride. But what they're doing, as they're fluoridating all the fish, all the lizards, all the frogs, all the plants, everything is getting fluoridated. And they state in a lot of places, you know, fluoride's not so easy to get out of the water. For so many of us who were stuck in a place where the water is fluoridated and we want to get it out, we have to rely on reverse osmosis um, because we're told the molecule of fluoride is so small, it's not an easy thing to get it back out of the water. So here again, we have science just dumping this stuff into water supplies and basically fluoridating everything that comes into contact to it. And the idea that the CDC backs this is a telling, telling thing. There are plenty of documents online by professional organizations. Organizations, if the CDC wanted to say we only listen to doctors, there are plenty out there that are demonstrating what fluoride does. Um, anyhow, Jason.
1: Before we go any further, should we discuss what eugenics is?
0: Tell you what, before we jump into to eugenics, since we're right here at the fluoridation of water, let me tell the tale of what happened when they fluoridated San Diego's water, okay? Basically, they announced, and it wasn't that far in advance, that they were going to add fluoride to San Diego's water. So then, on the news, the day that it was going to happen, or within 24-hour period of when they were about to start dumping this toxic substance, or what I consider personally to be a toxic substance, into the water, they had two people come on the news, on the local news that everyone watched. I think it's KUSI, uh, one of the more popular stations for locals in San Diego. Um, the first guy was pro-fluoride and he talked and talked and talked. Then they had the anti-fluoride guy come on who basically said this is poison, you shouldn't do it and he was cut off very quickly uh, did not get equal time and then the other guy who was pro-fluoride finished off the conversation. That's what I saw. Within I think a 24 hour period we were told that our water was then fluoridated. This is how it happened. And so when you consider the people of Port Lenora again, clearly they must have had a pretty good forewarning uh, and enough presence of mind. Who else knows what's politically at play when they fight off something like floridization. But here's another definition that I'm going to read real quickly before we go forward, Jason. Fluoride is a highly toxic substance. Consider, for example, the poison warning the FDA now requires on all fluoride toothpaste sold in the U.S. Or the tens of millions of people throughout China and India now who suffer serious crippling bone disease from drinking water with highly elevated levels of fluoride. That was pulled from a scientific study. Um, So, there it is is, man. Uh, The idea that the CDC is backing this and saying it's one of the most important public health measures. Well, for what? It's not for the benefit of health. So what exactly are they backing here? Anyhow, back over to you, Jason. So
1: here's the straightforward definition of eugenics for those of you who may not know. The study of or belief in the possibility of improving the qualities of the human species or a human population, especially by such means as discouraging reproduction by persons having genetic defects or presumed to have inheritable, undesirable traits, which would be negative eugenics or encouraging reproduction by persons presumed to have inheritable, desirable traits, positive eugenics. Now, of course, this happened in the early 20th century and got a lot of negative press because of what Nazi Germany was doing.
0: Yeah, this is going to play into, you know, as we get down into it, I'm going to list some of the scientific studies that have shown where fluoride does damage to the human body. And the reproductive cycle is, in fact, listed there. But anyhow... Let's outline a little bit about where fluoride is being used right now, because I think most people will be astonished when they hear what you're about to tell them. Most developed
1: nations do not fluoridate their water. In Western Europe, for example, only 3% of the population consumes fluoridated water. While 25 countries have water fluoridation programs, 11 of these countries have less than 20% of their population consuming fluoridated water. Argentina, 19%. Guatemala, 13%, Panama, 15%, Papua New Guinea, 6%, Peru, 2%, Serbia, 3%, Spain, 11%, South Korea, 6%, the United Kingdom, 11%, and Vietnam, 4%. Only 11 countries in the world have more than 50% of their population drinking fluoridated water. Australia, 80%. Brunei 95%, Chile 70%, Guyana 62%, Hong Kong 100%, the Irish Republic 73%, Israel 70%, Malaysia 75%, New Zealand 62%, Singapore 100%, and the United States 64%. These numbers represent 5% of the world's population. There are more people drinking fluoridated water in the United States than the rest of the world combined. There is no difference in tooth decay between Western nations that fluoridate their water and those that do not. And I took that off an official website that had uh, looked up all of the stats.
0: So there it is, man. Um, the United States in so many ways has become a petri dish for control of this world, in my view. Um, but let's look at some basic ideas of things that that are being taught in the United States where more people are being fluoridated than the rest of the world combined. Um, did you ever hear of, Jason, the idea of the two-minute brushing rule? That always used to make me think because when my nephews went to school, they were taught that you needed to brush your teeth for at least two minutes. And I thought, well, that's ridiculous. That doesn't guarantee that you're cleaning your teeth. Isn't it more important to do a good job brushing than to sit there timing with a clock when you could just be hanging the toothbrush out of your mouth? And I began to wonder, is this the amount of time it takes for fluoride to start to absorb into your body? But Here's a personal tale, because this is kind of a depressing topic that we're covering here. But I want to show people that there is hope. Um, There truly is hope that when people stand up, things do change here in Tiverton, Rhode Island. The first time I had to go to a dentist when I was here, I walked in the door, and the first thing I said when I sat down is the chair, do not fluoridate me. Do not put anything with fluoride in my mouth. Do not hand me a rinse with fluoride. I do not want fluoride in my body. And the lady said, okay. And I went, wow. And I said, okay, well, wait a minute here. I just moved here from San Diego, and the last three times I went to the dentist in San Diego, it was literally a tooth and nail fight when I told them they would not fluoridate me. They said, what the hell is your problem? Get with the program here. Don't you understand why Americans have good teeth and all this other hullabaloo? And I finally said, don't care about any of it. This is my body. You will not be putting fluoride in. And on two of those occasions, at the end of procedure, I was handed a cup with a rinse. And I said, what's in this rinse? And they said, fluoride. So that's how it was going in San Diego. When I got to Rhode Island and the lady said, okay, I finally said, well, I've got to ask. When I told you I didn't want fluoride, you just took it, you know, as, you know, you said, okay, no big deal. I said, that's not what I've experienced. I said, do a lot of people walk in here and do that? And the dentist here in Rhode Island said, I would estimate that roughly 50% of all the people that walk in here tell us they want no fluoride whatsoever put in their mouth. So I wanted to include that just to show that when people stand up for what they think is correct, um, that's a pretty big number. 50% of people that go into the dentist that I use here, well, there it is. You know, they're not getting fluoridated. Anyhow, back to you, Jason.
1: And dentists aren't allowed to tell you anything about it. They are expected to go along with the program.
0: Yeah, that's what, you know, I tried to dig in to try to figure out how in the heck did this ever get started? There's all these kind of, all this talk that fluoride was a byproduct of, I've forgotten now, is it aluminum, Jason? Making aluminum, is that where we get the byproduct? Uh, Originally, yeah, but there's other things as well. Yeah, other things. I think one of the oldest accounts I was looking at is it was a byproduct of aluminum and that somehow one of the corporation owners that was getting this byproduct wanted to sell the fluoride. And that was the story that was told for how someone finally said, oh, we could put it in the water. We could do all these things with it. But it's not a satisfying answer to what I was looking for. I'm just not sure at this point how either the use of mercury started or the use of fluoride. I did find accounts, but not to the point where I was willing to talk about them here. I felt like it wasn't enough or that it wasn't the source was not viable enough for me anyhow Jason
1: now fluoride in some form or another because there are many ways that it it manifests is the main ingredient in rat poison and sarin nerve gas fluoxetine one part of which is fluoride is the main ingredient in Prozac and other antidepressants these are facts not conspiracy theories so you can look them up too but to be fair Fluoride is made from the gas fluorine, which does not exist in nature in a free state. It combines with other elements to make fluoride components
0: right and and anyone who goes out to research fluoride uh, is going to find in a lot of places that the idea behind having many people in a a population take it is that it calms it calms them down it kind of dumbs them down to a point where they're not going to ever stand against anything that's the prevailing thoughts uh, that i saw online but anyhow i thought i'd take this opportunity to go down some of the scientifically proven, and these are proven, which, I mean, why is the CDC backing it when I can find all these organizations of scientific places that tell us what fluoride is doing to different parts of our body? Apparently, according to scientific sources, fluoride contributes to arthritis, bone fracture, brain effects, cancer, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, endocrine Disruption, gastrointestinal effects, hypersensitivity, kidney disease. And I would point out here, I have never lived a time in my life when I've seen so many people suffering from kidney disease, uh, male infertility, pineal gland. We'll probably get into this a lot more as there is, as of Ah, shoot, Jason, I didn't write it out. It's either 2001 or 2000. I think it's 2001. Science basically proved that some of the highest concentrations of fluoride are found in the pineal gland, that it calcifies the pineal gland, the pineal gland being in the center of your brain between the two hemispheres and contributing to things like melatonin, which regulate your sleep or circadian cycle. Um, And to finish this off, skeletal fluorosis and thyroid disease and, of course, acute toxicity. So these are all... All known side effects of toxic fluoride ingestion or ingesting enough fluoride to become toxic that are basically outlined by scientific organizations. Uh, These are not conspiracy theorist websites. Back to you, Jason.
1: Well, I've got an even more extensive list that I took and compiled together from several places. Fluoride poisoning symptoms. Arthritis. Stiff, painful joints with or without swelling. Painful feet in the morning. Asthma especially after showering in chlorine-filtered water, bony, painful lumps where tendons and ligaments attach to bones, calcifications of connective tissue on X-ray, especially with pain in reduced range of motion, chronic fatigue syndrome, especially if it persists when you spend time in a non-fluoridated city or switch to distilled water for drinking and cooking, cold temperature below normal, feeling cold all the time, feeling cold soon after a hot bath or shower, Colic in bottle-fed babies, or colic de- developing when breastfed babies start solids or are weaned. Dental fluorosis, and this is a big one you see, which is white or brown spots on the teeth. Diabetes, worsening symptoms. Diabetes insipidus, which is a kidney element. Excessive thirst, increased water consumption that does not relieve thirst. Dry throat and irritated eyes. And frequent uh, dilute urine, especially at night, with normal blood sugar findings. Eyes moving black spots, fatigue, weakness, and brain fog after bathing or showering in chlorine-filtered water. Similar symptoms can occur from chlorine sensitivity. Fibromyalgia, severe muscle weakness and or pain with extremely sore spots on various bony areas. Food intolerances that seem to come and go. Gastrointestinal problems, irritable bowel, nausea, diarrhea without apparent cause, heartburn, and upper bowel pain, especially after drinking a full glass of water gum disease irritated or bleeding gums despite good hygiene and diet gums heal when you use non-fluoridated toothpaste heart palpitations and increased heart rate without exertion kidney disease worsening symptoms or even kidney stones skin problems hives, blisters, rash on stomach or back within an hour of drinking fluoridated water or after bathing or showering in chlorine filtered water tea drinking causes upset stomach gastric pain heart palpitations or the jitters similar to strong coffee teeth loosening or needing to be extracted despite good hygiene and diet thyroid diseases underactive which is hypothyroid overactive which is hyperthyroid or graves disease goiter and nodules and as you mentioned that didn't get put on this list calcification of the pineal gland which is just horrible
0: Right. And, you know, for so many people listening and by the way, Jason, before we move on, we should point out that everything you just read here, these are from science and medical sources. These are not from conspiracy websites. This is from actual people in medical fields who are documenting uh, the effects of fluoride. Well, I took that off of poison control centers websites. That's where I got that from. (laughs) Well, th- there you have it. So you know, don't don't pay attention to what the left hand's doing. The CDC supports uh, fluorid- fluoridation as one of the most important health concerns uh, in the modern age, and yet here they list all these things uh, with their very same website. Um, I mean, common sense has left the building. But anyhow, to shift over to the pineal gland. There are a lot of people in the world who feel like the pineal gland is critically important in the spiritual development for people to become higher human beings. I'm not going to make the argument either way. In terms of spiritual things, I don't talk a lot about it on this website. People have their own religious point of views, their own spiritual path. They have to figure these things out for themselves. I'm mentioning this because, in fact... I would estimate a huge portion of a spiritually based or a spiritually concerned community are convinced that a healthy functioning pineal gland is key in being able to become a higher human being. And it is well documented that since I think it's 2001, there was a female scientist, I've forgotten her name, sorry about that who discovered that some of the highest concentrations of fluoride would occur at the pineal gland and cause calcification of said gland. Anyhow, back to you, Jason.
1: People could also be fluoride intolerant, toxicity, illness, or pain reactions from non-histamine response, or fluoride allergic, a histamine response, from birth or from exposure and accumulation, which is acquired. They are the same problem with different routes of expression. Again, from poison control websites. Fluoride was originally being scientifically studied regarding bones and teeth in the 1800s, but no conclusive evidence was ever directly found regarding its exact percentage contained within the human body. Most of the time, it seems to be less than 2%, especially since the methods being used at the time very well could have been adding amounts of fluoride to the final results.
0: So talk about part of the cluelessness, which this bullet point kind of acts like we're just not sure. Uh, I've had a number of people over at Crow777radio.com talk about this in forums, uh, pointing out that there's fluoride in a lot of places you are not aware of, like the idea of soda. The claim has been made there, and I have not tried to substantiate it. So anything I'm about to say here, you should you should substantiate for yourself. The idea at play is that there are many liquids that we drink that have used fluoridated water in the manufacture. Um, in the thread that I was watching happen, sodas were were cited. Other things that were cited is many types of bottled waters. For those who aren't aware. Many of the bottled waters, you can look these up online, are simply tap water. They're literally bottling it straight out of the tap. So if they're in a place where that water is fluoridated, sometimes if you notice on bottled water, you will see that it is fluoridated on the label. Other times you will see no indication of fluoride, and yet the water, in fact, is fluoridated. And I just wanted to get that in, Jason. Well, this
1: again comes back to the you have no idea what dosage you're getting. If 60 whatever percent of the United States water supply is fluoridated, then the Coca-Cola plant down the road, if it happens to be in one that has a fluoridated facility, they're going to make Coca-Cola with the damned fluoridated water. And, And this is just something that if you think about it, extrapolate that concept over and over and over again all over the place.
0: I mean, even aspirin has a dosage level, so what you're saying here is is absolutely spot on. How is it that we can have a not occurring naturally in nature substance called fluoride that is unregulated in terms of how much you can ingest. And that's not wholly true because I did find places that listed what's an acceptable amount of fluoride to be ingested. But these are from places like the CDC. And the CDC is sitting here telling us that this is one of the greatest things in the modern age for cultural health in certain parts of the world. And and at the same time, on their very website, they tell you all the toxicity problems that are associated with fluoride. But in what world... Is there a substance put into things that everyone consumes where there is no dosage concern? Apparently, fluoride is that whatever the hell you want to call it, that substance.
1: I'll get to this later, but fluoride definitely has a massive effect on the thinking capabilities of an individual. And the more you get in you, the more it's going to affect you. And why do I say that? Because it's
0: used in SSRIs. I agree with you, Jason. I'm in a place now where I ingest zero fluoride. Uh, The problem in San Diego was is we were filtering our water so that we didn't drink it, but we had to shower. And uh, from many accounts that you can read, you are basically – absorbing fluoride into your skin. And not only that, the water was chlorinated there. I'm free from all that stuff here. And when my nephew had first come out here with me, we both noticed one thing immediately, that we had to cut our fingernails way more than we did when we were in San Diego. And he attributed it to the water as I already had. So there's that to consider. But one thing I noticed is the longer I had been here, I felt like my mental acuity had been sharpening. And these are hard things to attribute. I can't say 100% it's because I'm not ingesting any fluoride. But, I mean, come on. I'm here not ingesting any fluoride, and I am detecting this experience. So while it's hard to to prove emphatically, I'll put it out there for thought.
1: Well, I can only say that I only drink non-fluoridated water. I only drink reverse osmosis water. I usually leave gallons in my car. And if I go to a restaurant, I will take the bottle in with me. And not consume anything from the restaurant. I do that quite often. So unless it's in coffee or something I happen to get while I'm out, I try my damnedest not to consume it. And I can tell you that my fingernails need to be filed every couple of days. They grow very, very fast.
0: Right. Um, I noticed also that my hair was similar and that my nails seemed to be harder. But there's this as well, Jason. There's a lot of people who talk about the effects of reverse osmosis as pulling everything out of the water. So it's bad enough that we're trying to get this thing called fluoride out, but actually along the way, we're pulling out any minerals or anything else that might be in the water. A lot of people kind of equate it to like empty calories. Yeah, you're getting your water, but now there's nothing left of benefit in the water. I don't know how true that is, but I do see a lot of people talking about taking cell salts, which are... Naturally occurring salts and minerals. Uh, to put this into context for people, I think you could equate it with how a plant pulls nutrients out of the ground. Um, maybe that's a good way to equate what cell salts are. But anyhow, a lot of people recommend that you take things like cell salts and add it to your water. Anyhow, there's that. And again, people have to verify all this information for themselves. Um, I'm not. I'm not suggesting these are things you should do. I'm putting out what our research led us to.
1: Well, from what I have uncovered and the reason why I drink reverse osmosis water, from what I understand, reverse osmosis leaves a little bit of mineral content, but distilled water gets literally everything out. It's just water, and that, from what I understand, is not the healthiest to drink every day because it will strip out your body. So it's good for at certain times if you're trying to detoxify from something, But don't drink that every day. Drink reverse osmosis if indeed you have fluoridated water in your area. That's what my research has led me to, but I agree, do your own homework.
0: Right. I can remember as a child uh, my father telling me, you know, we'd go to the store. That was back in the day when my mother was still using an iron that required distilled water to do the steam thing. And I remember on many occasions my father telling me as we picked up the distilled water in the grocery store, this isn't for drinking. Can't tell you much more about it, but anyhow, back to you. Let's just throw out a quick definition here on the American Dental Association,
1: which is an American professional association established in 1859, which has more than 155,000 members. Based in the American Dental Association building in the near north side of Chicago, the ADA is the world's largest and oldest national dental association and promotes good oral health to the public while representing the dental profession. That's their official definition. But I have this to say about them. The ADA promotes the daily use of both fluoride and mercury in the form of fillings.
0: See, this is this is the crux of the modern day science-based culture that we live in. Um, here's a place that is promoting good oral health, and all these other things, and yet they're promoting the use of fluoride, which is well documented as something we probably shouldn't be ingesting. But when it comes to mercury, there's no argument. Mercury is poison. The type of mercury, which we will get into in the second part, that they use is elemental mercury, which is the most toxic. There is no argument in my mind that will ever be reasonable that allows a poison that's going to create vapors you inhale to be put into your mouth. But anyhow, I don't want to track too far over to mercury. That will be the second part of the program. Back over to you, Jason. Fluoride is a key part of
1: aluminum manufacturing, as well as steel manufacturing, making high-octane gasoline and fertilizer production. The fluoride that is dumped in the water supply is primarily an industrial waste byproduct, hydrofluorosilic acid and not some magic pharmaceutical grade substance.
0: I don't even know what to say here, Jason. You know, I, I say it all the time. Science has no regard for nature, um, for our natural world. Um, not only are they fluoridating people, uh, human beings, which is bad enough, but every fish, every frog, every lizard, every coyote, every bird, every everything that is relying on these water supplies that are out in the natural world somewhere are having this byproduct of basically industrial manufacturing um, it 's beyond the pale jason isn 't it it's really It really is beyond the pale. You can make any argument you want, but when you boil it down to what 's going on here they 're taking an industrial byproduct and dumping it in the water.
1: Now, here's a little bit of fun history for you. In 1924, IG Farben, a German chemical manufacturing company, began receiving loans from American bankers, which led to the creation of the IG Farben cartel. In 1928, Henry Ford and American Standard Oil Company, which is, of course, the Rockefellers, merged their assets with IG Farben, and by the early 1930s, there were more than 100 American corporations which had subsidiaries and cooperative understandings with Germany. The IG Farben assets in America were controlled by a holding company called American IG Farben, which listed the following on its board of directors. Edsel Ford, president of the Ford Motor Company... Chazie Mitchell, president of Rockefeller's National City Bank of New York, Walter Teagle, president of Standard Oil New York, Paul Warburg, chairman of the Federal Reserve and brother of Max Warburg, financier of Germany's war effort, Herman Metz, a director of the Bank of Manhattan, controlled by the Warburgs, and a number of other members, three of which were tried and convicted as German war criminals for their crimes against humanity involving World War II and Nazi Germany. In 1939, under the Alted Agreement, the American aluminum company, Alcoa, then the world's largest producer of sodium fluoride, and the Dow Chemical Company transferred its technology to Germany. Colgate, Kellogg, DuPont, and many other companies eventually signed cartel agreements with IG Farben, creating a powerful lobby group who became known as the Fluoride Mafia.
0: So it looks to me, Jason, that you're coming as close as we can come to the, you know, how, when, why uh, of this. I went at it a bunch of ways, but this bullet point that you have outlined here really begins to show that we're looking at the banksters, the car companies, the Federal Reserve, the oil companies, as the people who started what's being called the fluoride mar- mafia. Uh, it's quite a thing, Jason. It's quite a thing. And this tells us something about the CDC, doesn't it? If the CDC is still standing, Standing up to say that, yeah, we back fluoride. What does that tell us? What does that tell us? There's plenty of medical and scientific information out there. Um, even a union of scientists as late as 2006 who are saying the risk is not worth it to fluoridate water supplies. That's as recent as 2006. So it's a hell of a thing, Jason.
1: Now, here should be a good refresher course for any of our regular listeners. In the 1930s, Edward Bernays was the public relations advisor to the Aluminum Company of America. Alcoa's principal attorney, Oscar Ewing, went on to serve in the Harry Truman administration from 1947 to 1952 as head of the Federal Security Agency, which the Public Health Service was a part of. In this position, Ewing authorized water fluoridation for the entire country in 1950 and enlisted Bernays' services to promote water fluoridation to the public. The campaign to fluoridate the nation's water supplies took place primarily in individual cities and townships, which meant a sophisticated propaganda campaign to persuade local officials to proactively support fluoridation that had to be put into place. Bernays recognized New York City as the foremost battleground and a particularly valuable tactical prize, given the prevalence of liberal media outlets. Once the New York press was all abuzz about the city's prospective fluoridation, other municipalities would be more easily persuaded to jump aboard the fluoride ship. Bernays recalled the fluoridation campaign in which he was involved as merely another assignment. The PR wizard specialized in promoting new ideas and products to the public by stressing a claimed health benefit, explains journalist Christopher Bryson, who interviewed Bernays on the fluoride campaign in the year 1993. You can get practically any ideas accepted, Bernays told me, chuckling. If doctors are in favor... The public is willing to accept it because a doctor is an authority to most people, regardless of how much he knows or doesn't know. By the law of averages, you can usually find an individual in any field who will be willing to accept new ideas, and the new ideas then infiltrate the others who haven't accepted it.
0: Holy smokes, Jason. I would ask this question based on the past episodes that you mentioned on the way into this. At what point do we start calling Bernays the father of our country? I mean, really, man, really, is there anything this guy didn't have his hands in? And here, here again with Alcoa and the production of fluoride and actually getting it implemented, I guess you're pointing to uh, New York City as the first place here, right? Yes. Unreal. Go ahead, man.
1: Bernays reminds me of Palpatine from Star Wars, manipulating things behind the scenes and putting all the pieces in place to screw everything up.
0: Yeah, it's I don't I don't understand, you know, how we get people like this, how they just have zero concern for their fellow man and fellow woman. Uh, It's you know, he's saying is this is just another campaign. You know, that's all it is to me. Uh, It's unreal. It's almost like these people are never going to have kids or relatives or people they care about. I mean, it's unreal when you look at what's gone on here. Um, And again, we see the highest reaches of power implementing this. Well, why is that? I would ask. Why is that? Anyhow, back to you.
1: The research science, put that in quotations, done to support fluoridation in public water supplies was underwritten by the following companies, none of which were minuscule in nature at the time. The Aluminum Company of America, Alcoa, Aluminum Company of Canada, American Petroleum Institute, DuPont, Kaiser Aluminum, Reynolds Steel, U.S. Steel and the National Institute of Dental Research.
0: Wow. It's kind of like the who's who of, of big corporations back in the day, isn't it? Um, they've even got DuPont in there. But what's funny is you list a bunch of industrial corporations, and at the end of that, the National Institute for Dental Research. So you can kind of see how this was implemented. To me, the the, the biggest question mark here is how in the hell – did all these people go through dental school, get shown to put things like mercury in someone's mouth where everyone knew mercury was poison? How did that become acceptable? And it comes back to the same old idea um, that's kind of echoed in the uh, – what, what, what's that document, the something of Zion, Jason? Do you remember? The Protocols of Zion? Yeah, the protocols of Zion, where there's a statement being made where you can hand these people, the most learned among them, all these things, and they'll become so invested in the ideas, they will never test to see if there's actual valid reasons for using them. That's what's being echoed here in my mind, is the most educated among us being trained into basically putting poisons into their fellow man, and fellow woman, and being okay with it. It's stunning. It's just stunning.
1: Well, looking at that list, all I have to say about that is, qui bono, whose benefit would this have in the first place? Why on earth would any of these companies fund the research? Because they were making the shit, that's why, and they wanted to get rid of it, because it was a leftover toxic product that they would have had to spend a zillion dollars to deal
0: with unless they found
1: something to do with it.
0: Every place you just listed is making the byproduct fluoride, except for the one that's last in the list. But that's where it gets implemented, the National Institute of Dental Research, where they're going to insert the idea that fluoride is good for your teeth. But anyhow, man, let's keep trudging down this mucky trail. Now, one of the
1: things I've, I've heard a lot is that Nazi Germany and also the Communist Soviet Union would dump fluoride into concentration camp water to make the prisoners docile i tried for a while last night while finishing up my notes to see if there was any direct evidence of that and i couldn't find it so i want to be honest about that that's that's one of those things that maybe it is a myth or a conspiracy theory or whatever you want to call it however i have this to say about it fluoride is in one of its forms massively used in antidepressants and ssris and all that so If it has an effect on the brain, whether or not it was used back in the 20th century is irrelevant because it does, in fact, have an effect on the brain. It will make people docile.
0: Right. I think we can demonstrate it because it does show up in things like Prozac. And so I think it's scientifically documented that it will make populations or the users of certain drugs that contain these things docile. Um, For my money, Jason, the whole online idea that it was used in Germany and uh, the Soviet Union concentration camps, I think that's confusion being added into things. I really do, and of course, you know where I stand. Uh, I think this is another thing we're gonna need to challenge, the idea of what actually went down with regard to concentration camps. I have it on our docket that we will go back at some point and challenge these things, look at them, but for my money, I looked too uh, before we did this episode, and I didn't find anything that was more an internet conspiracy trying to attach fluoride to the idea of concentration camps. But like you say, it doesn't matter. We know damn well that the antidepressants they're pushing out the door so readily in the modern era contain fluoride, and the byproduct of that is docile people. There
1: are various articles floating around the internet discussing that large amounts of fluoride were used for the manufacture of weapons-grade uranium and plutonium for the A-bomb during the Manhattan Project. These articles state that the fluoride was the major health risk factor during this time and that they intentionally skewed evidence that low levels of fluoride exposure was safe for humans as opposed to being incredibly toxic.
0: So everyone here listening probably knows my view of nukes. They don't exist. Nuclear weapons do not exist in the way they've been described to you. So when I begin to see fluoride mixed up in the whole tale of the Manhattan Project and the supposed making of a nuclear weapon that could destroy the world, I think, again, you're just looking at confusion and conspiracy being piled into a thing to muddy up the waters uh, in case people like Jason and I may come along later and say, hey, guess what? folks look at all this scientific documentation that says fluoride is not good for you and by the way look that the CDC is still pushing it out and by the way look at the ADA and the dental associations are still backing the use of what's basically a toxin Um, for my money this bullet point is nonsense piled on nonsense Jason
1: well it doesn't matter we know that fluoride is toxic that's right that's the straight it doesn't matter where it came from or who said what way back a hundred years ago we know that it's toxic there's absolutely no doubt of that so what else is there people can throw out crazy conspiracies and attach it to other nonsense but it's really irrelevant
0: right i think it's the idea of just always introducing confusion and misinformation that helps protect the initial nonsense that's going on in other words when people begin to wake up that there's this ill-conceived thing in society that they want to do something about, quite often what we find is uh, this kind of a tactic where they start to mix it into nonsensical things or bigger overarching ideas, and then they attach it to the kind of conspiracy mindset so that it's more easily fended off when people come to bear demanding that they're treated in a better way, basically.
1: Right. And I I think that's an easy way for them to muddy the waters. If you're trying to get Just straightforward facts, which is what I'm going for. I don't care about a whole bunch of nonsense conspiracy theories or what other people have said. I try not to do the same old, same old on this program. I try to just get facts, present them in a logical order, and make a basis of judgment from that, which I believe is what you do as well. And then we discuss the topics and make postulations off of those facts. So the bottom line is, no matter where this information may or may not have come from, we know from... Official government sources that fluoride is bad for you. So it doesn't matter what else they say. We already know this. It's a toxic
0: substance right it's stunning any individual can go online and within about 10 minutes can have determined from actual medical studies that fluoride is bad for you and yet the overarching organizations in the united states in this very strange place we call the united states places like the cdc and the people who rule over dentists in this country are still pushing the use of it and it goes to show you where we are here in the modern age again 10 minutes take you all of 10 minutes to find why fluoride is bad. And yet the overarching organizations are still pushing, pushing the usage of this toxic substance uh, into our bodies. Anyhow, back to you. Now, since fluoridated
1: water is so common, as we discussed earlier, the dosages a person could consume, especially in the United States, could be nearly incalculable, seeing as how it could, and probably is used in all manner of manufactured foods, beverages and even in the fruits and vegetables and grains that would be consumed and not just in the water that any individual might consume. And why is that? Because it's in the water supply where these things are manufactured or grown.
0: To me, this is the scariest part of fluoride because we're told it's a molecule that's so small. There's not a lot of ways to get it back out of the water, but if that's in fact a true thing, um, and we have every reason to believe it is because we have to use reverse osmosis to get the fluoride out of the water, think of all the places. Everything that is grown and watered with fluoridated water, guess what? It has fluoride in it. Every beverage that you might drink, every everything when you start to think about it, if it's coming from a source where the water supply in that area is fluoridated, then the chances are the product could be fluoridated. And as Jason points out here, man, to try to figure out what the dosage would even be for any given area, it's incalculable. How would you ever do it short of testing someone's body in some way? Anyhow, man, we're getting close to the top of the hour. Is there anything more you want to get in on on fluoride before we jump over to mercury? Well, there's two, two other things here.
1: Most of the studies that I saw had massive implications that any benefits, if there are any from fluoride would be topical, meaning applied directly to the teeth, not ingested. The nonsense they spew out is that you're drinking the water and it's getting on your teeth as it's going in your mouth and on down. That just sounds like a pile of rubbish right off the bat. The second thing I want to point out is since 1997, the FDA requires all fluoride toothpaste sold in the United States to carry the following warning. Warning! Keep out of reach of children under six years of age. If you accidentally swallow more than used for brushing, seek professional help or call a poison control center immediately.
0: Yeah, so call the CDC who's uh, backing the use of fluoride. But as we close out hour one on fluoride and prep up to get into hour two, mercury, which is my word, mercury is a hell of a thing to be putting into people's bodies. But when I was a child... We used to leave San Diego and for the summertime, because my father was a college professor, uh, come to the East Coast and my dentist at the time, he was a German man, I remember him well, would send my mother to the East Coast with these little minty flavored pills that were fluoride, which we were supposed to take one a day. And while we didn't, there were many of, you know, we didn't use it regularly and pretty soon it just got forgotten about and nobody did it. Um, There were plenty of times when I remember as being a young child being handed that fluoride tablet to take. Anyhow, Jason, anything you wanna sum up on fluoride before we jump over and prep for the second hour to cover mercury?
1: I also remember some sort of fluoride chews or tablets or something they gave out in kits when I was in grade school. And I remember I tried it once and it made me very sick to my stomach and no one else in my family tried to push it on me. So I just didn't take them after that. So that, that tells you everything right there, I think.
0: Well, luckily, it, when I was young, I, you know, I'd leave the house in the morning and I'd come back when it was dark. You know, I'd be out on boats or swimming or hiking or doing something all day. So, uh, well, I can't remember exactly how much of that stuff I took. But, you know, just in closing here, what a crazy, crazy thing um, we can all look up online why fluoride is a toxic substance we shouldn't be ingesting. We can read a litany of studies of all the bad things it contributes to in human health, and yet on every fluoridated toothpaste tube, it tells you to call a poison control center. The head of all poison control centers is the CDC. The CDC is still pushing a valid use for fluoride in the modern age. What a strange country we live in, man. What a strange country. Anyhow, Jason, one last chance. Anything you want to add before I close it down? Please don't use fluoride. <laughs> <laughs> and while these are only the points of views and the opinions of the makers of this radio show, but uh, I think it, <laughs> I think it's good advice, Jason, but every person in fact has to go find out if the things we've said here have value. They should challenge everything we've said. The things we have said here are not for believing, are not for accepting, are not for regurgitating. You need to challenge the information we lay down here. And while I will back everything we've said again. Uh, From my point of view and Jason's point of view, there is no way in heck people should be ingesting fluoride. You do, in fact, need to go to discover that for yourself to see if it's a true thing for you. Anyhow, that brings us to the top of the first hour for Episode 88, Crow 777 radio podcast covering fluoride. Jason and I are going to prep up, and we're going to come back from the alchemical corners of the universe and cover the use of mercury, of all things, a known poison uh, in in much of the dental work that's still all goes on in this world anyhow there it is man cheers